Well, welcome to Anarchists and Androids. I'm Parenthesis I, and I'm joined with Logar the Barbarian. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, my personal favorite Star Trek, uh, sci-fi franchise, Star Trek, right? And in particular, Star Trek Picard, and in particular, season three, the first three episodes of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to put something out there on this one that I like about it, but it makes me question things. And it's something that I noticed. I, when I was younger, when we were coming up, we were watching the original Star Trek on reruns before there was a next gen. Remember this? Think yeah. That. And I remember <laughs> when next generation first started in 1987. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. My whole family sat down to watch that first episode all excited because it was a new Star Trek. Yeah. How many times have we had a new Star Trek since then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or a new Star Wars or a new Marvel. It, it, it's just, I want to point something out that the 80s films were very nostalgic, showing that these these characters from this old TV show and they're like, like they they're trying to relive glory days. I think there's something to that because I think that's being reproduced here in Picard. What they did in those that film series with the original crew. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, like in the the second uh, movie, Wrath of Khan. I think that was it where Captain Kirk like had to wear glasses because he was getting old. <laughs> and I think they made him an admiral, but he didn't like being an admiral anymore. And so, yeah, people pointed out a lot of parallels with this season three of Picard with uh, Star Trek two, you know, since like uh, Captain Picard and Riker and stuff, they're all getting old, obviously. And they're like kind of famous relics, basically. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot there like 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 after seeing so many people pass on in the public eye that starred in so many of these shows and there's talks about people from the original a lot of the original star trek people have passed on they kind of did a glory day revisit in their older days to their characters and we're kind of seeing that again in a tv series we're also seeing this world filled and just 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 uh well, how's the, what's the word I'm looking for? An entire industry that we're sitting, we've been sitting here looking at on, on anarchists and androids of these reaching back to that nostalgia of our children. They got your number. They're going to, their childhood, the TV shows and the things you've connected to and that you're appreciative of. And here it is, this huge machine cranking more out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like they know that people like you and I like are reliable customers <laughs> that are willing to shell out money for the shit <laughs> yeah we were born it, we, as children you know we got we got action i had i had star trek the next generation action figures coming up didn't you <laughs> uh yeah probably a few but i was I had a couple. more star star wars ones more <laughs> i had star wars I, I was always more of a star wars person and and i and I, I, this is way off track <laughs> and we'll get back at the show I'd watch old Star Trek and there's something I appreciate about old Star Trek is that there was trying to be a social commentary there more so than Star Wars at times and individual episodes attempted to address certain issues. However clunky it was at the time, there is something underlying there to what Gene Roddenberry was originally doing with the classic track and then later with new Star Trek. I think it's noteworthy to notice that and to note that because this year we get this modern 21st central portrayal century portrayal of essentially space communism right isn't that what it is yeah but sometimes like 
they have some other weird messages too. Like I think in season one of Star Trek Picard, like they imply that Raff, the character Raffi is like a, like a real poor drug addict ex Starfleet person. Yeah. And there's some weird stuff going on there in the show. <laughs> like, like, like the choice to be like, Oh, I'm a drug addict and show. And, and I question like, like, like who we've chosen to present as the drug addict and some of the some of the narratives in our society and what that's coming from or being reinforced as yeah. when we talk about it, I think there might be some issues there that might need to be delved into a little more. I don't know 100% know how to articulate that, but I noticed something there that might be a little troubling at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, basically, like the queer woman of color is the drug, drug addict in this show. <laughs> yeah, what's what's up with that? Yeah. Well, yeah what's going on? Yeah, different from like Okura that everybody just loved and adored. Yeah, I, I feel that that's worth noting when we're approaching this. Now, it, it is focusing on these... Captain Kurt, or I'm sorry, Captain Picard, who is now Admiral. He's a retired Admiral, but we're we're still focusing these men of great power, captains and admirals, people who have sway in society, and it almost presents them as the underdogs. What they're also kind of like past their prime, and like in the season three, my favorite character is Captain Shaw, <laughs> uh, like the current captain of the Titan and stuff, and and he's like, you know, I respect you guys, but. You're past your prime, and we only like had you on the ship as a courtesy, and we're not going to do whatever what you're asking because you're not captain here. I am. <laughs> so let's. There's something to unpack here. <laughs> we have a power struggle going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Until the last episode where like Captain Shaw's injured, and he's like, "Okay, Riker, you be the captain." <laughs> so that's the end of that struggle. But then they have another struggle with like, you know, Picard is like, no, you got to do this. You got to do this. And eventually Riker's like, all right, off the off the bridge. You're, you're done. <laughs> so let's 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 rewind a little bit and talk about yeah. the show because we're going to go spoiler heavy. And, and there's a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just launched into this. it. <laughs> we just launched into it. We haven't explained anything. We're just rambling on like two mad anarchists on the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I think that there's something to be said about life imitates art, art imitates life. When we make these things, like I said before, we are inputting a part of ourselves, our worldviews, we're constructing a reflection of the world at the very least. And I, I find the whole of this Picard very interesting. He's noticed how uh, Picard's son seems to be a big thing. Uh, Wesley Crusher's missing. Oh, yeah. And then it turns out, yeah, that Picard has a son named Jack Crusher, happens to be the same name as Beverly Crusher's deceased husband. Huh. So, like, why would she name the kid after him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this for a minute. There's something weird going on. So the relationship, Picard apparently fathered a child with Beverly Crusher. And there is, he, he seems to be somewhat of a renegade type character in this. Yeah, with a British accent. Yeah, he's very Han Solo-ish in a sense, it seems. Yeah, wanted criminal, yeah. <laughs> he's bucking up against the system, fighting the system, and then you have these this old retired admiral trying to stand up for him because, well, essentially because it's Beverly Crusher's son, not because it's anybody that he has an attachment to, but because he discovers that he may have had a child he didn't know about. Is that what's happening in this show? Yeah, and it's so weird. Like, like Captain Shaw was going to have Jack Crusher like go over to like be handed over to like the people that are like bounty hunters that are going after him. But then like 
they said, no, we're not going to do it. But then Jack Crusher wanted to, he for, he escaped and tried to like hand himself over, but then that was prevented. So it's kind of like this weird back and forth. Like, does he get handed over or not? They go into this calling Picard. Now they call an admiral from Starfleet and ask them not to involve Starfleet. I don't think that's a practical thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Beverly Crusher said, you can't trust anybody. You can't trust Starfleet. And then, as soon as that happens, then Picard goes to Riker, who's in Starfleet, and tells him everything that's going on. <laughs> yeah, so we just go straight to Starfleet. We go to a Starfleet ship, and we shoot out there with an entire Starfleet crew, so he didn't listen very well. It's kind of the, I, I'm brought back to the, we don't call cops type idea, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. What authorities do you report this problem to, et cetera, et cetera? Well, don't involve Starfleet. And yeah. Starfleet is, what is Starfleet? Oh, it's yeah. People don't like to say it, but basically, it's a military organization. Yeah, it seems like that. It seems yeah. like it's pretty much a military organization at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the space navy for the the government of the United Federation of Planets. But there's also some sort of attempt to claim that the space navy or the this military forces is a better military force than what we know now. We've evolved since then is the theme throughout this Star Trek and everything else. We know better. I I am I'm, I'm I, it's an interesting an interesting idea to put into this. I have some questions about it and how it's portrayed on film or on TV. And I I don't have all those I don't have all those questions properly articulated, but I'm noticing things as I'm watching this that make me ask those questions and Again, I may just be rambling more and more as I delve into this. <laughs> yeah, God, it's weird because like sometimes the writers of Star Trek, they try to show like, yeah, they're more evolved. They're at a higher standard, you know, like they're, they're enlightened Navy, basically. Uh, <laughs> or that it's not even a Navy. They're a benevolent humanitarian organization. But then other times with other writers, they're like, oh, no, it's corrupt in all these different ways. And usually the they have like a cliche by now that when you meet a Starfleet admiral, they're probably corrupt in some way or another. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's happened so many times in so many episodes. So uh, the Starfleet, the big, the big military that has gotten. So we've gotten rid of money at this point in time, right? Yeah, but then other times, like they mentioned credits. And yeah, there's actually some books that have been written about the economics of Star Trek. Well, I'd like to know about the economics of Star Trek because they're using credits and they're also talking about getting rid of capitalism and money in different episodes. Now, in this one here, well, like 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 Picard obviously has some sort of higher station in society as, a, as an admiral of a very large military unit. He also has this nice home vineyard farm where we begin things on he lives on this vineyard some sort of relic of uh what's the word i'm looking for oh landed gentry <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It's very landed gentry isn't it yeah the chateau Picard, they call it so my question is if we're, we're where are we at with credits and owning property on the planet earth and things like that so there's a lot of these questions that pop up as i'm watching this like how does this actually work how is the society playing out and I don't think that a lot of those qu answers are given at times. And for some reason, this frustrates me when I watch Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like usually the modus operandi of Star Trek is like they just have a few passing references to like society in the future, but they don't really dive into it. And then we end up just kind of replicating existing social relations and systems in a movie about the future that doesn't 100 percent 
know what that future could look like it seems am i weird in saying that <laughs> yeah. yeah oh definitely because like they're totally reproducing like you know the government system and you know you have like the president and you have legislature and you have like courts and prisons basically like new zealand is basically the prison of the <laughs> united Nation of planets oh no this is terrible <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> our prison countries yeah so the the TV show, the first three episodes, I watched Picard's first season and I enjoyed it. And in the first season, they did some interesting things with data and not just data, but turning Picard into some sort of synthetic life form. Yeah, like they basically created like a synthetic body for Picard. And so Picard died, but then they transferred his consciousness into the synthetic body. So he continues on now. So he's essentially what data is with human consciousness inside of it. So the death of Picard, like, hmm, interesting. I'd like to live in a world, I've said this many times on the internet, where I can, I can, upon death, I can upload to the Marvel Cinematic Experience <laughs> final resting place that went yeah. along with my Hulu Prime lifetime subscription. Yeah. And, from there. <laughs> and then you can meet the K E V I N. <laughs> then I get to meet K E V I N in the binary, or I'm sorry, in the quant, in the quantum program. Yes. Yeah. It's no longer the binary we're using in computer by then it'll be quantum computers <laughs> okay i took it in weird places forgive me let's let's get back on track with picard uh in this season he receives a message from beverly crusher that there's a problem in the last couple seasons people come to this old admiral who's living in his his vineyards for whatever problem or conflicts arise, and Picard has become somewhat of a legend amongst Starfleet and in history. He's a known yeah. figure. Oh, yeah, he's like saved the universe countless times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's our John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, except he's French. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the British like, accent. <laughs> my grandfather loved to watch old John Wayne movies where he saved the day. Captain Kirk and Captain Picard have a lot in common with this. <laughs> oh, yeah. It sure seems that way, at least to me, when I watch these things. Is that the worst we're watching is, is essentially fiction, science fiction. And the thing that attracts me to science fiction, a lot of times the things I like the most are the, the concepts being relayed within science fiction, because science fiction is a convenient thing to discuss things. Now, at what point does having... You know, coming from the Paramount and Disney and all these corporations, does what we're discussing just a giant marketing campaign? And where do we lose the art and what's being said? And where is there something of value? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely so far, I find like, with this season, like they have something of value, you know, to give with the story. So I'm uh, appreciating it compared to, I uh, have to mention season two of Star Trek Picard. That was the absolute worst Star Trek ever made. I'd say. No, no, <laughs> I don't. Uh, there were some interesting things done in season two and I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I think I did not finish the last couple episodes of the second season. I think I just skipped ahead to three. Uh, yeah. So you're saying that, and I, I did not complete the entirety of season two. <laughs> yeah, so, so season two reminds me of the movie, the rise of Skywalker in the sense that I think both of those projects were made, I guess it was like Mad Libs kind of thing, right? <laughs> or like maybe you do a piece of a story and then you hand it off to somebody else and they only got the last few sentences and 
then they make their own little piece and then they hand it off to somebody else and, and keep on going into the, the finished projects that we see as the audience is like totally disjointed and jumbled. But this is a bit more of a coherent narrative with season three. And I appreciate it also because also looking at season one also, like they had this big bad guy of like this artificial intelligence that did time travel and all that. And that was very similar to the big bad guy of, was it, I think it was like season two of Star Trek Discovery that was released around the same time. So you almost got the impression that they were the same bad guy, but it was just like writers that were copying each other. Or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. like, 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 look at how media is created. A lot of times, it is writers copying each other's thinkers copying each other. It's a response to you know, Star Disney puts up Star Wars. Well, we have our intellectual property, Star Trek. We're going to respond <laughs> to that. It is a back and forth. It's occurring like on live streaming for us all to see in our homes, trying to get your entertainment intellectual property out into your face. What's being said there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's money to be made. Yeah. And like one money-making ploy they're doing is they're saying that the season three of Picard is like the big goodbye to the Star Trek Next Generation cast. But when you look at it, you kind of had the big goodbye with the movie Star Trek Nemesis. And you also had the big goodbye of the final uh, episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, we're getting a lot of goodbyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like watching the end of a Peter Jackson movie, like at the end of, of Lord of the Rings. It seemed like there was another ending every five seconds at the last movie. And then he kind of dragged that on. Now, making entire movies of the last hurrah, entire TV series. Yeah. <laughs> But I, it's fun. It's entertaining. You have elements in there that I like in science fiction. And there is there something being said, though, inside of this? Is there a point? Like Gene Roddenberry tried to make a point in Star Trek, tried to tried to portray a different future. And then at some point in time, Star Trek started backtracking and conflating. Like you said, different writers get a hold of it, different producers, and they change the narrative of overall Star Trek. Where is it headed to? What where is it at at this point? Oh yeah, it's a big mystery now. Like what the story is, where they're going, or even who the bad guy is, really. Yeah, I don't know who the bad guy is in this series yet. A hundred percent. One thing I, I like about uh, in this last episode is they reveal that there's kind of like taking off at, uh, from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine that like the the changelings, uh, the founders, you know, that there was a split after the Dominion War, and that there's now a faction of the changelings that want to go get revenge in some form so let's talk about that because i uh, kate kate was talking about that as we were we were watching it the dominion the faction war and all that that's not that was in deep space nine which was not a show i watched a lot of i caught like some of the early season the first season or so but i haven't really delved into it whoa oh my god so that's my favorite right there so listen i'd like to know some of how you're how they're pulling from that and what oh. I'm missing from that show, because I don't know it that way. Oh, you're missing everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like uh, towards the end of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, it became more of a serialized story instead of episodic. And it was based around the Dominion War and the whole story arc around that. And that was some of the very best Star Trek was like the final seasons of Deep Space Nine. But it was like building up over like seven seasons, you know, to get to that point. It's interesting that, that you bring up some, they're referencing now some of the very best Star Trek ever made in the, as in this last episode. 
And this is all, this whole season is coming off of some of the very worst Star Trek ever made with the season two, Picard. <laughs> well, I'll reserve my judgment of the worst and best at this moment. I'm still, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't have a claim there, but I do like what's been happening in this season. I've also really enjoyed Discovery as well. I hear Strange New Worlds is one that I need to check out. Oh, yeah. I had a chance to sit down and watch it. You mentioned something else there about how Deep Space Nine itself is a show change because Star Trek. The old 60s Star Trek very much fit into a formula of television in the 60s, where every week you had a different adventure with your heroes, and they went and explored and had all kinds of adventures. It's the A-team formula. It's the formula for most television. When you get into the 21st century, we come into streaming, people start approaching these things as longer story arcs. And that becomes a more common way to approach doing television right now in most of our streaming services. You got 12 episodes, eight episodes, and it's a self-contained story, more like a mini series that like things like V that we would have once upon a time kind of seems to be the norm for a lot of these shows that they're pushing in that direction. Deep Space Nine was one of the first to do like a serial storyline. The movie of the week or the monster of the week, I appreciate that in some of those old shows. We could just tune in once a week, catch it for an hour, walk away. But these people are people now we're attempting to tell larger stories with a larger story arc to them. It's not that, okay, I watched it like quantum leap i've been watching the new quantum leap here and there a few episodes of it and it's kind of parkins back to the old serialized story style no no i just think it's something to bring up and point out watching how star trek itself has kind of changed and evolved the way they tell the stories well and that's actually when people miss like the old episodic format and that's why the Strange New Worlds was basically returning to that. So Strange New Worlds is the old episodic format. I definitely need to check it out more. Why then, if we're missing that and they're going for the episodic, are we getting something like Picard with a larger overarching story arc? And I'm kind of lost in this story arc right now. I'm questioning what's going to happen next. You have they've they've gone out to the edge of space. They've gone outside of their territory. So we're talking about borders and boundaries, which is something very relevant to our current society. What what's legal within what borders and boundaries that you cross into? Yeah, yeah. So because like when they're inside the borders of the Federation, then they can be like the police basically of the yeah. territory. But then if they're going crossing the borders, then they can start a war <laughs> with another country. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's what the, the captain was afraid of is something like that, starting a war with another country. Cause he realized that these people kind of have a reputation for starting trouble across. Oh the yeah. Oh, that's one of the things I love about that guy. Yeah. That captain Shaw. Yeah. Like how he referred to like, Picard is this legend and a hero and he appreciates that. But he also like mentioned that Picard brought up so much drama and so much like complication and stuff. Shaw said like, you know, I have a reputation for getting things done. I do my mission, you know, like no big drama, no wars, no interstellar incident. We're just, I just get things done and it's quiet and peaceful. And th that's how I like it. <laughs> and yeah, he just kind of resents Picard for like coming, wanting to go and like just change everything around and, you know, everybody possibly killed. Which, you yeah. know, basically ends up happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably with good reason. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Oh, and it reminds me of the first episode of uh, Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. Like, uh, I rewatched it recently. And I love how, like, they have Cap uh, Cisco and Picard meet. And you can just tell that Cisco just does not appreciate Picard at all. <laughs> and he's just, like, kind of almost visibly restraining himself and, like, telling him off. 
<laughs> so it's kind of like this as well with this episode with this uh, uh captain sean picard one element that i like is that interpersonal conflict there because there are there are issues there that would upset somebody these guys trampsing around the galaxy stealing starships and getting into firefights that's pretty oh. dangerous stuff <laughs> yeah I, I know i said it before but it is kind of john wayne behavior jumping around that way I think it's interesting because I feel that there was an element in the classic Trek when we were looking at Kirk and Spock and Scotty and everybody in those movies where they were also, um, what's the word I'm looking for, very haphazard about things and the way they'd approach addressing these situations and conflicts they found themselves in. So that dynamic there, these old guys running around trying to relive glory days is... Repeat it with Picard and and, and Jonathan Franks. And, it's Jonathan Franks, right? Isn't that or, or Franks? Franks. Uh, yeah. Will Riker. Will Riker. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're going to probably see other old characters. We've seen Dwarf now. Dwarf. I'm sorry. We've seen oh, Dwarf what? now. <laughs> <Not> dwarf. <laughs> oh, he's a big guy. <laughs> We've seen Dwarf now, who's who's embracing some kind of practice of of peace or mindfulness, whereas he is coming oh, yeah. from a culture of as it was presented, a culture of aggression. Oh, yeah. I think he said something like, to use it in like human terms, I've been working on myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I think that's, a, a, that's probably necessary for folks to do, especially when you're so held on to things like warfare and aggression. But there is this whole like like discussion here about how societies are more warlike at times than others. And I mean, they're pretty warlike in Star Trek Picard in general. Like I think uh, in previous seasons they showed like 7 of 9 like going and just killing people left and right. And then when you see Worf introduced in the season three, he's like chopping people's heads off. <laughs> <laughs> never happened in the old like Next Generation or even Deep Space Nine. So yeah, what, what point does violence play in, in all of this? Are these heroes, how heroic are they at the end of the day? Yeah, they, they used to like have some kind of ethic about like trying to refrain from needless killing, but that seems to not be the case here anymore. And that was one thing I appreciated about the original tracks is that there was discussion about that and they were pretty open about it for the time it wasn't the most progressive thing but it was a lot of times pretty progressive for the moment what was going on in Trek and I think that's at least noteworthy to point out that it's a uh, one element of our popular culture where some of those things have occurred and been discussed oh yeah oh and one thing I wanted to mention you mentioned like how science fiction can in Star Trek can reveal like different societies and different ways you can have society and so I think the old episodic format of going to a different planet and meeting a different alien each week you know that was more conducive to like introducing different societies and being more creative in imagining how different societies can be and that's not really taking place as much in the serial format. I think you're right. Being able to be like, okay, this is a different thing within 45 minutes to an hour and only filling that 45 minutes to an hour to explore this new idea or concept is a lot easier than stretching it out over 12 episodes or however many we're going to end up getting. But I'm not even sure how many we're going to end up getting for this series. <laughs> You've watched the first three. Sit. I liked this series and, I, and I'm enjoying it and I'm curious to where they're going with it. Now, I want to bring something out. I'm going to I'm going to drop everything I've been rambling about because I'm rambling to, uh, on that. And I, I want to look at something that there, there's an after show after the episodes, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess is it the ready room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. With uh, Will Reedon, who plays Wesley Crusher. Yeah, and and Will Wheaton was 
Beverly Crusher's son in the original show. Yeah, and the father was Jack Crusher, like the original Jack Crusher. <laughs> yes. So now we have this son with Picard and 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 Wesley Crusher is somehow missing from this, but he's at the end of the show talking to everybody. Are we gonna see Wesley Crusher in this? Or did he just get the shaft that gets to do the blog afterwards? The, the well, podcast. So this weird thing happened at the very end of season two of Picard of like Wesley Crusher appeared at the very end. And it turns out that he uh, accepted the role of the being a traveler, which was showed up in the next generation, which is like this godlike being, you know? And so he showed up and he like had one character is like, you can be a traveler too. Come join me. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and so like, maybe since he has this godlike powers, you know, he could just show up and, fix everything randomly <laughs> like if the, maybe you could have like at the end of this series uh like a complicated mess miss uh, mess and like nobody knows what to do and all that and then wesley comes and fixes everything and huh, the end <laughs> i mean if that might be the way they're going I, I i don't know uh the traveler concept i do remember that from the classic uh from the next generation yeah. series i remember them doing some of that and it was Reminding me almost Doctor Who-ish with some of that stuff yeah. they were doing there. I do hope that he does get to make an appearance in the show as his character. And I have a feeling we're going to probably see a few other old characters come back because they can't help but try to... They're going for that nostalgia. They're going for that. Remember this? You haven't seen this in so many years. Here's yeah. what happened to those characters you love. That's the selling point of the show, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so far, they've also shown that Jordi LaForge's daughter is like a helmsman. Oh, for yeah. This. Yeah. I forgot to talk about Jordi because I, I, I love LaVar Burton and he's an amazing human being. I think I really appreciate him. <laughs> and more so because of reading Rainbow than in Star Trek sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I remember as a kid, there was a reading Rainbow episode where like they show LeVar Barton filming an episode of The Next Generation. And he's someone who's always encouraged positive things in our society. I, I appreciate him as a human being and as a someone who has a public voice. I'd say that he's not he's not the revolutionary that like is going to change the world, but he has a had a positive impact on others and largely through whatever forms of media that we consume and take in he was able to do something productive in all of that and hopefully he's not going to be like Worf and just show up and start chopping off heads <laughs> <laughs> the absurdity of everything at this point in time I'd probably laugh my ass off and really appreciate <laughs> something <laughs> like that like do you see what that happened he didn't read a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like Picard so far, and I have more questions than I have answers in watching it. And I have, I am curious to see where the series will go in the long run or the season. And they keep on, like you said, they keep on playing up like this is kind of the end, the last season of Picard. You know, for example, there's the movie uh, Star Trek Generations, right? Yeah. And that was like, it had Captain Kirk and Picard. And it was kind of like a symbolic passing on the torch from one generation to the other. And I wonder if they're going to be doing that with this as well. If they're going to like have some kind of symbolic of like passing on to the next generation. And if they were to do that, then that would imply that some of the characters of the next generation, so to speak, will be, or the next 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 generation, <laughs> right, uh, would be like, you know, having their own show or movie or something. And we'll look back at 
at when we did the the first episode was I believe it was the first episode of the Next Generation, wasn't it? Oh, DeForest, Encounter at Firepoint was DeForest Kelly was on there talking about back in the day, wasn't that the first episode or so? Oh yeah, so and they they have a a trend of like a lot of the first episodes of a Star Trek series, they have one character from a previous show or movie that will appear, make a cameo, and it kind of is a symbolic passing on the baton. I don't have anything else to add to this, and I think we're about on time. Did you have anything you wanted to add to the discussion on Picard? <laughs> oh, well, one, yeah, one thing about <clears throat> this is organization that is uh, in this uh, season three and other previous seasons as well called the Fenris Rangers. And they appear to be like a police force for territories that do, don't have any functioning government. Which is kind of sketchy in a way. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get all like the, some of the worst parts of government without the, any of the benefits. <laughs> you, you get the police, but no, not a, any services. Yeah. So if we don't have a government, why do we have government in, like the types of violence and enforcement agencies that a government would have? Yeah, and they seem to just take it upon themselves to like be police. And then it sh they show in the first episode, I think, of season three that like. They're open to corruption, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm down for corruption as long as you pay me. I'm like, hey, that's our system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so many countries around the world, you know, they uphold law and order. But if you have enough money to like hand them, you know, they'd be willing to look the other way. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you like to tell the folks where they can find you on the internet? And uh, I have a blog, a parenthesis I, that's spelled E Y E at the end, uh, dot blogspot.com. And then also I'm a parenthesis I on Mastodon. You can find me at the daily podcast Wobblies and Wizards for a bit longer. And uh, everyone has their own rebellion. <laughs>